Radio Lucha. Radio Lucha is a podcast project produced by the Raza Press and Media Association. The goal of Radio Lucha is to provide a space for the voices of independent grassroots struggles for self-determination on the question of prisons, migrante rights, mujeres, education, media, community, politics, y cultura. Cuvole Raza is a podcast show of Radio Lucha, a project of the Raza Press and Media Association. We are a show that focuses on interviews and discussions with those that are on the front lines of struggle for self-determination and liberation. We are broadcasting to you from the city of Chiques, Califas. Welcome to our July 2011 show. Our guests today are Alicia Rabco with the Free the Five and the Pastors for Peace. We're going to be talking with her about the caravan that she's involved with. She's going to be traveling from Canada all the way through California and into Mexico, finally uh, going to Cuba. And our second guest is Raul Alcaraz Ochoa, a grassroots community organizer in Tucson. And we're going to be talking to Raul about a note that he wrote last year that sparked this discussion and a debate around the question of the federal legislation known as the DREAM Act. And so those are our two guests, and we welcome everybody. Our first guest is Alicia Rapko. Alicia is one of the main organizers for the Free the Five campaign, and also she is traveling and coordinating part of the 22nd Pastors for Peace caravan. And Alicia, welcome. I'm good. Thank you. Very, very good. Thank you. You know what? We want to thank you for taking some time uh, to speak to us today. Uh, we know that you're in the middle of a long journey, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. But first, we wanted to see, uh, Alicia, uh, what, what it is exactly that, uh, that you're doing around the work, in particular regarding the, the Cuban Five. Uh, many of our listeners do not know who the Cuban Five are, and so maybe you could talk to a little bit about, about uh, that type of work that you're working on. Sure. Uh, we are uh, one of the many groups in the United States and around the world that are uh, fighting for the freedom of five Cuban men who were arrested in 1998 uh, and accused of being spying for the Cuban government. And they were uh, agents sent by the Cuban government, uh, but they were unarmed and they didn't cause any damage to the United States people. They were monitoring the activities of terrorist groups in Miami that have caused the death of close to 3,500 people with years. They were, um, they became the years and the eyes of the Cuban people to let them know of future terrorist attacks. I think that it's important for the audience that don't know anything about this is that uh, Cuba and the United States, um, as, as people know, the, the relationship never been great, but uh, the reality is that for the last 50 years, Cuba victims of terrorism from the United States. I know that some people will be surprised because in the United States, we always talk about the war on terrorism or against terrorism. Uh, but uh, nevertheless, these five men who came to defend their country against terrorism uh, came to defend Cuba. Uh, they are serving long sentences in U.S. prisons, and they never had a chance in the courts, in the justice system. They tried to place in Miami the only city in the United States who 
where five men accused of being agents of the Cuban government could have a fair trial. They were never accused of uh, uh, espionage, the charges were conspiracy to commit espionage, but they are serving uh, long sentences, including life sentences. So we are fighting for the freedom and we wanted people to know about the case because it has been highly silenced by the U.S. media. Uh, somehow the U.S. media doesn't want to people know that uh, we have in prison people that were fighting against terrorism while the real terrorists are free in the, the streets of Miami. And I'm talking about people like have blown up planes in midair, killing all the people on board. We are talking about terrorists who have bombs in hotels in Cuba and kill Italian tourists. That's the type of people that these human five men were uh, trying to stop, and for that they are serving lock sentences in United States prisons. Wow. So, so would you be able to say that um, the United States essentially is harboring terrorists within its uh, current territories, and not only is harboring terrorists, is has arrested these five men that were gathering information to prevent those those terrorist type attacks from happening is would is that is that correct exactly that's exactly what what i uh, those men came during the 90s and came to miami they didn't go anywhere else they were in south florida because from there is where all these terrorist actions has been planned prepare. In fact, you know, there are training camps in, in Florida. Those people are living freely there. They receive money uh, from uh, supporters in the area. Uh, they are really uh, supported by many Cuban Americans uh, and, and in, in some cases for their, their, go their government. You know, this is money. The American National Foundation, for example, has been funded by uh, U.S. taxpayers. And the the man who is responsible for the killing of 73 people in 1976 when a plane, a commercial plane, blew up in mid-air, in the middle of June, received the, the key of Hialeah by the mayor of Hialeah, which is a city in the area uh, in Florida. So um, this is the type of thing that we are facing in the United States. You know, this man responsible for that crime is still free in Miami. And he is just one example. There are many others like him who are enjoying freedom while this five men who came to protect their country against terrorism, they're serving long-time sentences. On top of that, two of them have been denied the right to be visited by their wife. Uh, one of them had her, his mom die, and he wasn't able to say goodbye to her. You know, this is a very, it's a travesty of justice, really, in the US, United States um, justice system. Okay, so so this is very important. Can you tell us uh, on this particular issue of the compañeros, of, uh, the, the five Cubano, Cubano brothers, uh, how people could get a little bit more information, perhaps online, uh, so they could follow sure. up on this? Yes, we have a webpage. Uh, it's www the Cuban Five with the number five dot org, www the Cuban Five dot org. The page is in both English and Spanish. 
they can read about the case in the page and also have updates of what is going on in the struggle uh, internationally. Uh, for example, we have a very uh, important campaign right now. It's an international campaign that we call the fifth of each month for the Cuban five, the fifth of the for the five, which we ask people that day to call uh, Obama uh, to send an email or to uh, send a, a fax. The same day, everybody from all over the world are calling, and so we want people in the United States to do it. And it's easy to remember because it's a fifth of each month. No matter if it's Sunday, a holiday, they can leave messages, they can send emails to President Obama asking for their freedom because President Obama can freedom if he wants. He really has the authority to do it. Okay, so this is great. I'm going to repeat that. It's www. The Cuban number five, the Cuban five dot org, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I learned a little bit. I've learned uh, a lot by following that particular website, but also uh, in different presentations that I know that you all are doing, and and as part of that is this caravan that you're in right now. Uh, uh, from my understanding, you're in San Pedro, California, right now. You were just in Oxnard, California, and before that, you were in other cities. Can you tell our listeners? what the Pastors for Peace caravan is, uh, what the objectives are, uh, maybe a little bit about the history, because I think that's important uh, for the yes. listeners to to know. Can you uh, yes. t- talk to us about that? Sure, sure I will talk about that. Uh, the the connections, before I talk about that, I want to make a little connection. And the reason that we were talking about the case of the fight in the caravans is because Pastors for Peace also has taken this issue uh, as a part of the caravan. Now, I'm going to talk about the caravan. The caravan, Pastor uh, for Peace Caravan, is a project of IFCO, uh, Interreligious Foundation for Community Organization. And what it is is a project that started in 1991 uh, when Cuba uh, lost their trade, the most important trading partner uh, when the Soviet Union failed. Uh, at that time, when Cuban people were suffering and they were hungry because of the situation that was taking place there, the United States tightened the blockade even more, uh, causing a lot of much more suffering to the Cuban people. So uh, this project started at that time by uh, a, a black minister, a Baptist uh, minister, who thought that we didn't need to ask permission to the United States government to help our brothers and sisters in Cuba. So the idea was that we are going to go around the country and collect humanitarian aid and take it to Cuba, and we're going to challenge the U.S. blockade. This project is to challenge a law that considered uh, to be unjust and immoral and unhuman. So this, um, like I'm talking about 1991, uh, we, we are right now in the 22nd caravan, uh, the idea was not to solve the problem of the Cuban people throughout humanitarian aid because it would be impossible, but to to go there with the message that you know there are people in the United States who oppose that policy and that we are going to be there, bring solidarity and the time that the Cuban people need it because we are not agree with our government policies. So that was the main idea. Uh, now, throughout the time, uh, the caravan has become much more um, organized, and what is really uh, what it is really is a grassroots 
effort where uh, people from many cities around the United States organize events and host the caravan that is going through the United States. They are in this particular caravan, this is the number 22nd. Um, we have 13 different routes. Two of them started in Canada. And then we are, we're going to 130 cities inside the United States. We all will converge in McAllen, Texas. And in there, we're going to have a couple of day training in case we have any problem. It will be a civil disobedience um, action there. And if we don't have any problem, we will cross the border with all the trucks and buses and cars full of aid. Uh, I'm talking about aid, medications, uh, supplies for, for schools, uh, tools, uh, crutches, glasses, uh, you know, things that... Um, even people don't have because of the blockade. And then we will cross the border. We go to Tampico. In Tampico, all the aid goes in containers um, and arrive to Cuba in Cuba a few weeks after. But the whole caravan with 100 people, they, what we call caravanistas, will get in a sh charter plane and will fly to Cuba. And we'll spend a uh, week there uh, participating in different events. Uh, in this particular caravan, uh, it will be a memorial in honor of uh, Reverend Lucius Walker, the founder, who died last September. Uh, this will be the first year without Lucius. Uh, so there will be many activities over there. And then with the caravanistas, they come to the United States, again, crossing the border in Mexico through the United States. They opened the U.S. authorities that we were in Cuba, um, we were there because we don't want to ask for a license to um, to go to Cuba because it's a right that we have as U.S. citizens. Uh, so we defy the blockade, and um, then we learn in Cuba, of course, during those caravans. And when we come back, we talk to our local community and tell them about what we see, what we experience, what we learn and share with all the people that were not able to go because uh, we know that not everybody can go uh, for such a long time. Excellent, excellent. And and um, I happen to, um, and I'd mentioned this uh, before, that I had the opportunity myself, along with uh, other educators that were there last year, to meet Reverend Lucius Walker and when we found out that he passed away just a little bit shortly after that, uh, it, it really hurt a lot of us because we were able to talk to the caravanistas that were there um, and how they were welcomed by the community in, in uh, just outside of Havana. It was a beautiful experience how community was being built people to people. And... And so the work that you're doing is, is very, very strong work. Um, can you uh, let our listeners know how, how they can get involved, for, for example, for next year's Caravana um, and, and how they could get more information just in general for, uh, regarding Pastors for Peace and IFCO? Sure. Uh, the, the headquarters of the organization is in New York, and the phone number to call is 212 926-5757. Again, 212-926-5757. Uh, there is a web page also, pastorsforpeace.org, uh, that people can go. It's very easy, pastorsforpeace.org. 
And then also, if, uh, if people know the local activists that are involved, they can ask them too because they can uh, guide them where to go. Uh, another important project uh, from uh, IFCO is uh, the recruiting students for the Latin American School of Medicine. It is training uh, students from Africa, Latin America, and some of and some students from the United States. There are um, um, scholarships available for U.S. students. There are some prerequisites to attend the school, and they have to complete applications, etc. But if they call to the same number, they can find information. This is a program that is completely free of charge for U.S. students, low-income U.S. students who wants to study medicine in Cuba and become doctors, and they only, um, the only requirement is, is that when they uh, finish the school, they come back to their community and provide the services so much needed in, in local poor communities in the United States. Excellent, excellent. Yes, it's like it's, so it's a multi-issue uh, caravan, really, right? Because well, you're talking, informing people about the, the Cuban Five, you're informing people about the blockade and well, the devastation that it's causing uh, to the Cuban community. And and not only that, you're also offering, through Pastors for Peace and everybody, uh, a, a way for low-income students from around the world, really, and, and even within the United States, to go, perhaps, to get an education uh, uh, in the medical field, which we know out here um, is, is becoming uh, less and less of a reality for people because of the way the universities work, right? Exactly. And, you know, we're really happy when we go to different communities and talk about the, the entire project uh, because actually all, this, all the different struggles are very linked with each other. In the case of the embargo, the blockade, because it's really a blockade, in the case of the, uh, the travel van, which we, we didn't talk about it, but we also tell people about the travel van that um, that people in the United States have not the right to go to Cuba when in reality, you know, we have the right to go to any other country we want. Um, you know, they are all part of the U.S. foreign policy. The case of the Cuban flag is also part of the same policy because the only reason those guys are in jail is because they're Cubans. They haven't committed any crime. They were defending their country. They're wonderful people. they they wonderful fathers and, and, and sons and they are um, a community, entire community, um, asking for their release. They have the support of 11 million people. So uh, Lucius Walker, um, when he um, found out about the case, he wanted to, uh, the the theme of the Cuban Five be part of the caravan. That's why we all joined in the effort, because as much as many of us were volunteers and supporters of, of Pastor for Peace, we also are involved in the struggle to free the fight. So he incorporate all the different issues so we can all work together. And it's really amazing for us to go to places like last night when we went to uh, to the community there uh, to to be able to talk to people about these issues and learn about other issues that that people locally are involved because we need to really help each other and work together in in all the struggles that are taking place in the United States. It's, a, it's, on, it's one struggle. They're all the same. Well, Lisa, we want to thank you for your time uh, uh, You know that you've taken outside of uh, your your journey with, along with other ca caravanistas. And and so, uh, le, como decimos en español, muchas gracias, compañera. Muchas gracias a ustedes. Buenas tardes.
That was our guest, Alicia Rabko, with the Free the Five and the Pastors for Peace Caravan. And now we're going to go into our first song of today's show, which is El Pueblo Unido, which is brought to you by The Theory. And our next guest is Raul Alcaraz Ochoa. Raul is a grassroots community organizer in Tucson, and he's currently working on a lot of projects. I know that he's doing a lot of work regarding secure communities, uh, SB 1070, the boycott, 
among other things. And so, Raul, how are you doing today? Welcome, brother. I'm good. I'm happy to be here and uh, continuing to, to organize in the community. So I'm, I'm excited for the things that are to come. Excellent. Yeah, we know that out of Tucson, where you're a community organizer, uh, we see a lot of organizing happening, especially being led by the youth. I mean, it's it's motivating and captivating uh, a lot of people's attention, which is part of the reason we we, we really wanted to talk to you and, and other community members uh, from the area, uh, because uh, a, lot, a lot of the times there's a blockade, if you will, of information uh, coming out of the mainstream media. And so... We wanted to talk a little bit today about uh, the Federal Dream Act, um, as it's as it's related to the just general uh, community struggle, and 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 in particular, um, a note that you wrote uh, last year that that was widely read and and uh, was being studied by different people because of uh, because of its content, right? And because it was during mm-hmm. that height of the the federal dream act uh, or what some folks call the dreamers movement can you tell us first of all a little bit about you know how you came to uh support and then and then came to the point where you wrote the note yeah uh i fully support the the right for for of course all the community to have access to education uh we're, we're fighting for equity in our education we're fighting for access for all um, that's a movement that that deserves uh, most respect and and support. Um, and for myself, with the Dream Act, uh, I've I've always held a, a very high critique about the military component, where that option came to be after the Pentagon um, infiltrated the the Dream Act, and the politicians started uh, trying to make the Dream Act more passable because initially it was community service or college education. Um, and then it got morphed into something else and turned into a uh, militaristic uh, piece of legislation that that would really um, capitalize on, on and take advantage of the situation that our community faces in terms of not having enough funding or resources to attend college or, or university and using that as, as a vehicle to um, lure our young people into into the military, making that option uh, more uh, more easy for for a lot of people. So so I I've always felt that critique, and um, when this when the new wave of like dreamers came about with uh, utilizing civil disobedience tactics, um, I I felt compelled to to support that uh, as a person with uh, permanent residency in this country. Um, they they were asking for support from local uh, Tucson people to, for somebody else to, to support them in the action, and um, and and I and, and I kind of put those 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 critiques aside for for that moment and um, and and felt that you know it was important to support this cause for for um, educational access for all. So, so that was my main thinking. I was thinking that it was, it, uh, you know, that, that that's my support is around that. It's not on on the military component. Um, but as 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 time went by and and, and politically uh, other things uh, continued to to unfold, um, it, it became really uh, a really just it, I had to I felt like I had to really uh, address the the core issues that I felt the dream movement was 
was um, and is uh, not not really addressing and not really talking about in terms of of, of the critiques. And so I I, I came to to with uh, a decision in terms of like publicly, you know, to to not support the Dream Act anymore. Um, because it was being, it was at the point where it was being tied to a defense uh, budget, and uh, so it was a Dream Act tied to this to the defense budget bill, and as well as the Don't Ask, Don't Tell policy. Um, and for me, that was even more problematic than than what are already the content of both uh, pieces of legislation. And with the Dream Act, I just thought that. Uh, it, it again showed completely like the true colors of like the political nature of this legislation, and just how you know I don't want to be a part of a movement that is going to be able to receive concrete wins, even though they are crimes at the end of the day, but like that affect people's lives in a real real way. I understand that, but they are crimes, and I didn't feel that, that it was appropriate to have those crimes be won by our community at the expense of pushing our community into um, the military machine and then also at the expense of stepping over uh, the, the the community abroad, you know, in Iraq and Afghanistan, Palestine. I just didn't feel that that was uh, solidarity. And so I decided to, to write a letter uh, expressing those, those points of view. Uh, that's correct that's correct and but and and so okay so you put that letter out there uh everybody began to read it and in your particular community uh or you're in the spaces that you're organizing uh what what was the feedback what was the what was the platica as they say about like with you uh was there a dialogue was there a debate how did the, what was the the result of that you know well, uh, just to give a little bit of background um, to your listeners about about the letter, uh, the letter addressed, uh, you know, first of all, admiration for the for the tactics that uh, the civil rights movement, I mean, excuse me, the Dream Movement has employed uh, to achieve its goal of passing the Dream Act. So I think that that has been really inspiring to the migrant rights movement, um, and that in, in in effect has been the most uh, inspiring and and even the most militant um, component of the migrant rights movement in the mainstream, um, and so that to me was a, a big reflection of like how uh, the left within migrant justice movement is, is lacking. If we have the dream movement being the one that is pushing most of the envelope, you know. So, so that was that was a point that I that I wanted to highlight, and that their grassroots their their efforts, you know, have really push politicians and national Hispanic organizations, so to speak, to 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 impress them, you know, to take more more um stances that are a little bit more uncompromising. So that's good on, on, on that end and it's in the show it speaks really clearly about the movement within a community that is more uh grassroots and more quote unquote radical. Um the other points that I address in the letter are how you know, Democrats are using the GMAC as a political stunt to appeal to Latino voters for elections, right? So just using that as uh, throwing crumbs at us. And also how uh, the, the the Dream Act uh, is is tied to supporting the U.S. war machine abroad, you know, and through the Pentagon and through through the military um, industrial complex that, you know, that 
the, the occupation of Iraq and Afghanistan would be um, tied to the the dream movement, um, and also just how like the language around the dream act and the passage of it vilifies and criminalizes uh, people in our own community, particularly our parents. So it's really insulting argument that has prominently been used to pass the Dream Act has been the dichotomy of having good versus bad migrants. And so when when you have that type of language being used, where things is used, where the illegal behavior of parents, you know, is is blamed and to save the children or to save their their their, their sons and daughters, that is a complete slap in the face to the struggle, the sacrifice, and the dignity of our parents, you know? So instead of blaming U.S.-led capitalist and imperialist policies as the reasons that create our refugee populations and undocumented populations, you know, it's like they're selling our parents' struggle, and that struggle is not for sale. So I really felt that that is something that needed to be addressed. And so the responses were mixed. You know, I had a lot of uh, people that completely disagreed and were um, shocked and outraged that I would write a piece that was titled um, Letter to the Dream Movement, my letter of my painful withdrawal support of the Dream Act. So people were, were definitely offended and um, didn't want to go there in terms of talking about these things. And other people reacted in a way that they felt uh, relieved that these issues were being brought up because they had felt uncomfortable with the way uh, the Dream Act and the Dream Movement has has been framed. And so this opened this was for them, for a lot of people that, that um, responded to to the letter, said that it provided a tool uh, for and a vehicle to be able to. Uh, bring up these issues that haven't been discussed as as much as they should be. Excellent. Yeah, I know because uh, you know we. I'm gonna tell you that uh, out here uh, in California and uh, the spaces that we're organizing, uh, I know that your your particular letter was one of several that that were were being discussed because because that space that you're talking about that vehicle. Um, wasn't there at, at a point, you know, it was almost like there was a lot of some friction that was beginning to happen and even divisions. Right. Um, and, and sometimes without even uh, thinking about it or talking to each other or trying to figure out, uh, you know, some type of common ground or lack thereof, or, uh, that, that type of space wasn't there. And it was during that time, uh, that you wrote that letter that people really started, um, discussing, those same issues that you're talking about. And it was around the same time too, uh, 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 that, that, uh, folks were starting to view the film, uh, Yo Soy El Army from Cimarron Productions. Yes, yes. And, and, uh-huh. and so it came out on democracy now. And then, so it went national. Uh, so, so those two things I recall, um, were, were part of, which is why, uh, that has led to the current discussion, right? Because my last question, um, brother raul is is now there's the reintroduction right uh just recently of the federal dream act what are your thoughts mm-hmm. on this reintroduction what does that mean to the movement what is what does that mean to those of us that are participating in organizing efforts uh for migrante justice rights uh that's a really good question uh i feel sometimes i wonder like what what is more you know what is more helpful for 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 our movement it, and and with with the reintroduction of the dream act 
I, I just wonder, I guess I have more questions than any kind of answer as to like, when are we going to be so outraged and so uh, fed up with the lies and the betrayals of this political system um, before we stop begging and begging and begging, right? When when are we going to employ our self-determination? And, and even if the Dream Act is what's going to be uh, a rallying cry for, for a lot of people within our movement, how 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 is the movement going to evolve into something that will be less dependent on uh, being at the mercy of Democrat and Republican votes, right? So I, I just look at or, or think of um, different movements of the past, particularly like the civil rights struggle in that era, and how organizations like the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, how they evolved from going from uh, doing very courageous work with voter registration and then uh, morphing and morphing into an, uh, a black power entity, you know, towards the end of, of SNCC. So I, I wonder, like, if, if the dream movement is 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 going to be headed in that direction. Um, and right now with the language and the movement that, that I continue seeing around the dream movement, it just it seems like it's... Um, it's still the same in terms of analysis. There's very little critique of this, 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 this situation that they're in and how the dream movement is being attacked by both Republican and Democratic forces, um, how there's a lack of critique of capitalism, of imperialism. There's a lack of critique of a lot of things that could make the movement stronger if the fight is going to be for uh, access to education. So I think the core of the movement, um, you know, it, it's, 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 it's important to highlight access to education as opposed to the GMAT, you know, or equity in education or justice for all migrants as opposed to just the GMAT. So I, I, I just wonder, like, how how much of this is going to continue to, like, how much, how, when um, they're going to be uh, a morphing or an evolution into something that that is more critical of this two-party political system that, that doesn't doesn't do do much to benefit our communities and in fact goes goes against the benefits and the interests of our communities. Well Raul, we, we do want to thank you for your palabras, man. Um and and also uh let you know that our goal is to continue this discussion, knowing that mm-hmm. that and especially with uh, the presidential elections coming around the corner next year, which really already have kicked off um, the, the, this uh, this discussion, I think, is going to increase. Uh, the need for this discussion is going to increase. I wanted to um, also quickly ask: Is there any um, particular maybe website that uh, our listeners could maybe access to to uh, maybe read your note uh, or um, maybe get in contact with you? Whatever the easiest way is. Yeah, I have a blog where that letter uh, is in the archives, uh, and the blog is antifront.com, so A-N-T-I-F-R-O-N-T-E-R-A-S.com, antifrontera.com. Okay, perfect. So we're going to make sure we uh, let all of our listeners know that at antifrontera.com, in uh, the archives, they just look up um your letter because it, it it will serve as another you know review right we need to go back and 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 listen 
and uh, learn from from what we were thinking during that that period. Okay, compañero Raúl, right. we we do appreciate your time. We know as all organizers are usually running from one meeting to an action to you know trying to maybe eat dinner in between, right? Uh, anyway, any last words to uh, our listeners, brother? Uh, no, just to continue, uh, for all of us to continue doing the work that we're already doing and um, just to be critical and to and to be in solidarity with, with all the movements going on around the, not just in the state, in the country, but also around the world. Okay, carnal. Muchas gracias y paz. Buenas tardes. All right, that was our show uh, for this month of July 2011. I want to thank our guests, Alicia Rapko from Pastors for Peace and the Free the Five. Also, we want to thank Raul Alcaraz Ochoa from, from Tucson, Arizona, community organizer. And also, as always, we want to thank our producer, Louis Moreno, Raza Press Media Association. And this is your host, Francisco El Chavo Romero. And we're going to leave you this time with a song by B-Side Players. It's called Nuestras Demandas. Amores de la rebelión, palante con visa mexica, reggae en español, como zapatista de liberación, la paz y justicia en nuestra nación, con energía positiva, buena vibración, a la fiesta de conciencia los invitamos, sin armas, con palabras, con educación, tenemos un anuncio para los asesinos, ya no queremos guerra, destrucción, no queremos fronteras segregando el mundo, es tiempo mi raza para Luchando por nuestros derechos y nuestras demandas, nuestras demandas. Techo, tierra, trabajo, libertad, independencia, democracia, nuestras demandas, nuestras demandas. Luchando por nuestros derechos y nuestras demandas. Nuestra...